When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. There's a rule of thumb for baseball writers that whenever you talk or write about the bullpen before a game, you're just challenging the baseball gods <laughs> because who knows what's going to happen and it maybe just mess up everything you have planned. But I am going to challenge those baseball deities and talk a little bit about the Pirates bullpen before they play here Friday night. So if they gave up eight runs last night, you know who to blame. Good morning and welcome to the Pirates podcast to be named later here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. My name is Alex Stumpf. I have to talk about this bullpen though, because it's been flat out terrific so far this year. And yeah, some of that can we really count the bulk guys as pure relievers? Because they're scripted to get in the games. There's a pretty noticeable rotation that you see Will Crow go every three days in this mix. You, you can see some of it. But man, they have just been terrific so far this year. The lowest batting average against entering play Friday of, of all bullpens in the National League ERA is in the top 10, and for a team that everyone said they don't have enough pitching, and I frankly can't really refute that, they're getting some darn good pitching. Will Crow has become this this rancor in the bullpen that he goes out there, and you're just going to see him strike out four or five batters in two or three innings. It's just a given anymore. He looks confident. I mean, geez, look how he's strutting around the mound. You know, the the meter that he has on there. He he looks like he belongs. This is a completely different Will Crow from what we saw last year. Dylan Peters. I'll admit I didn't have this coming into the year that Dylan Peters would not only become a, a serviceable lefty reliever, he would just become a really Good reliever out of the bullpen. And yeah, small sample size for everything. It's still April. You have to accept some of that. But you got to like the approach, if nothing else. Even if the results waver a little bit, you got to like the approach. I don't know if it's 100% sustainable because at some point, these rosters are going to 
go back to 26, and there's only, what, about 10 days, 9 or 10 days left of these expanded rosters. That's going to change part of the equation. You can't argue that, but there, there, there's, there's no reason why they can't do a modified version of it. Maybe the starters go 4 or 5, and then the next guy goes 3. Two or three or or something like that. Find a way to make it work with this rotation. We haven't seen everyone yet. I mean, at some point, a, a Chase DeYoung is going to get those reps. And I don't know. Maybe Chase has find some success as well. But un, until then, you, you can't count on every Will Crow, Dylan Peters to click like they have so far. The guy who's most intriguing, though, is David Bednar. And I and I wrote in Bradenton that look, he's <laughs> he's the whenever the, the phone rings, I'm gonna be good to go type of guy. And you know, like baseball history, we just see him only as the closer, and, and maybe that is his destiny, whatever it's all said and done. But right now, he's in the top ten among relievers and win probability added. That's really darn good for a team that's, at, at the time of this recording, still sub-500. And yeah, some of that has to do with the parts being the comeback kids, but a lot of it has to do with he comes into the seventh inning on Thursday night. Suzuki up, league leader in OPS. One of the best hitters so far. That One of the best April's debut months we've seen in baseball in a long, long time. And Tide runs 90 feet away, and he just shuts him down. And then he goes out, and he, he throws another scoreless inning in the eighth. Now, let's... I, I don't have the actual win probabilities in front of me, but Tide run 90 feet away, seven outs to the, for the Cubs versus six for the Pirates. That's a fairly close to 50-50 split on who wins. Pirates have a little edge there, but let's call it like 55. What is it whenever the eighth inning's done and there's one inning to go? Like 15% Cubs win probability, whatever it ends up being. Like, that's a huge swing. That's a 30-point swing right there, and that's David Bednar's doing. Being able to use the right reliever at the right time. This is this is intriguing. This is the... It, it's almost like a video game, how, they, how they're using it. How they're... If the guy's fresh, throw him out there. Let's map out a way to get Wilkrow into this situation. I don't know how sustainable this all is for a couple reasons. One being the roster that I brought up earlier. The other being, is there a point where you have to look at Wilkrow and, and make him a starter again? And not just throw him out in the first inning or even do how the Pirates have done starters with like Bryce Wilson so far. Like, is, is there a point where you just make Will Crow a real starter again? Because maybe the stuff doesn't play up, you know, he's emptying the tank out there, and there's tempo that he's doing a lot better in the bullpen, and do you dare mess all that up versus a, a good starting pitcher is always going to be worth more value-wise than a good reliever? And more importantly... If this is all about, you know, giving players opportunities for bigger and better roles, 
can you look Will Crow in the eye and be like, look, you've done literally everything we could have ever hoped for out of the bullpen, but there is no other opportunity above that. I don't think you can. If Will Crow keeps pitching like this, as tempting as it is just to keep him in the bullpen, and I would probably even say, frankly, that's the right thing to do because he's just doing everything he needs to do so well right now, whether it's how his stuff plays, how he's attacking in terms of pitch mix, knowing that he's really only going to face the lineup once, and you don't have to throw as many fastballs, just throw junk versus you know the tempo and everything that I wrote on that mound visit that he's doing so well. Can that be sustained? I, th- I think the Bednar, Chris Stratton, th- that could be a lot more sustainable, especially later in the year whenever we see Blake Cedarland finally get promoted again, whenever, uh, if Nick Mears has a breakout. They-, they have a couple intriguing arms that could also be in the mix. Right now, the back end, established-wise, you really just have Bednar and Hembry and Stratton at the moment. and it- in the- But it's the middle relief that's carrying this team at the moment, which is fine. But long-term, I see the back end of the bullpen being much easier to keep in this influx where play the matchups. And it helps that they have a couple guys in Bednar and Stratton who have, who have no egos, if not negative egos. <laughs> like, negative, like, they don't, they don't care. They just want to go out and put up a zero. They don't really care at all when that's going to be. They aren't safe chasing. So it's it's intriguing with the middle relief on how viable this is because you can't always just do piggybacks for a whole season or you're going to be doing a whole lot of roster taxing. Rowanzi was sent down to the minor leagues on Thursday and the intention was very clear we want him to start. Okay, well... Not to get into why he can't make a four or five inning start, you know, four inning start and then a five inning start like they're planning in AAA up in the major leagues, whenever that's basically what Bryce Wilson and JT Brubaker are doing. Not getting into that. But if the goal is for him to start, I, I interpret that as the opportunity for six innings pitched. Mitch Keller pitched into the sixth, and he's not, at least in that start, it wasn't 100% you know, brought out, but, or, stretched out, but like that's a possibility for Mitch also. I, I expect Mitch to eventually get into these six, seven inning roles. So it's at some point, maybe you could pick and choose with a couple guys you can do this with, but maybe not all of them. Definitely not with all of them. Someone's going to be breaking through. If it's not Keller, it'll be Contreras. If it's not them, someone. There's going to be a legitimate traditional starting pitcher or two in this rotation. And that's going to change the soup here with the bullpen. But for the first couple weeks in the season, this is the type of forward thinking and innovation that this pitching staff and organization needs. I don't know if this is a long-term viability, but damn it, you got to love how they're willing to experiment with it because that's what they need to do right now whenever you don't have a bunch of Scherzers and Kershaws and Verlanders to pull from. And hey, guess who has a higher strikeout percentage than Scherzer and Verlander at the moment? It's Will Crow. Maybe something's clicking there. We're going to take a break. We'll be back here after a few commercials. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. And welcome back to the Pirates Podcast to be named later here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. All right, talked about the pitching. Got to talk a little bit about the hitting now. Where is this offense going to come from later in the year? Because right now, just looking through Thursday's lineup, which is a pretty standard lineup from what we have seen all year. You've got Vogel back who has just been terrific so far. 974 OPS after Thursday's game, getting on base, seeing a lot of pitches, doing basically everything you want from a leadoff hitter except the speed angle, and you you trade the speed for <laughs> the extra 150 points of OPS. Like that's an easy, easy trade right there for the power. So that's got offense there. Reynolds is in a slump. And I don't want to brush that off because getting Reynolds going would really jumpstart this offense, especially since Hayes has been one of the best hitting third basemen in the National League so far this year. Hitting 333, showing some patience at the plate on Thursday, drew three walks, first time in his career. Still not seeing him pull a lot of fly balls, so not a ton of power, but he's getting hits, he's getting on base. You just work with that until something doesn't click. Then you got Michael Chavis, who, man, what a pleasant surprise he's been after a pretty rotten spring. I know you can't put a lot of stock into spring results, but he he didn't look good at the plate, like just approach-wise, and he is now. It, it's one, it, I think that grand slam in St. Louis just jump-started him. Like that was the shock he really needed, and boy, has he made the most of it. After that, though, the pickings get slim. I mean, Ben Gamble had a good game Thursday, bringing up his OPS to 700. Okay, 
But then Cole Tucker's at 369. Roberto Perez is at 547. Hoy Park, 553. Kevin Newman, 606. Jake Marisnik's not hitting. Andrew Knapp's not going to hit. Yoshi has just been bad. Like, he, he did get that big double on Thursday for a couple runs, but that was hardly scorched. And he's hitting below 200 below the Mendoza line with only that one extra base hit. You can't get that out of the cleanoff spot, especially since Vogelback and Hayes hitting in front of him are doing a really good job at getting on base. You need someone to drive in those runs. And Shelton is showing respect to a veteran. That's why Yoshi is stuck in that cleanoff spot throughout the season. Don't know exactly how long the leash is there. Maybe there is a mix-up. Or, or shuffle or something to try to get him going, but I don't know. I, I wrote in that mound visit this offseason. There are some, some red flags with him all along, and the fastball is a big one of them, and he's seen a ton of fastballs. Again, I'll also bring up that the Pirates floated the idea of a multi-year contract with him, and Yoshi wanted to bet himself on the single year. Imagine if it was the other way around right now where he'd have a two-year deal with the Pirates and he just wasn't hitting at the moment. Because right now, this is a low risk. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And no, Yoshi wasn't going to sign this huge deal regardless. I mean, we we can speculate that the two-year deal would probably be in the same ballpark AAV-wise, if not a little less than the one-year $4 million he got. So let's just say 2-6 for simple math. Like that's that's not gonna break the bank, but that's it is a two year deal. It is rostering a player for another year. So where is this offense going to come from? Because right now, even if you put Vogel back at first base, DH where he is now, or if you put Chavis at first base, are are, are we just Basically, in a holding pattern, watching them wait until O'Neill Cruz gets called up, until Travis Swaggerty gets called up and, you know, flanks Reynolds in either left or right field. If, are we, are we just waiting for Rodolfo Castro to get another call up, which, man, he's off to a hot start in Indianapolis. Is, is the second half of this lineup in AAA is basically the question here. Because... They've got about half of a really good lineup results-wise so far. Not not kind of really good, like actually really good. Like if you just look at the OPS numbers and, and how they've played in general, like is anyone going to complain about Vogelback, Hayes, Chavis? Is anyone really that worried that Brian Reynolds is in a going to have another 2020 season? Like that that is not going to happen. This is just a slump that he didn't really have last year. And even then, we're talking, what, like a week? It's it's definitely just, you can bury a week a lot easier whenever it's in July and you have a full season results to go off of. And maybe that's the whole point that I should bring up here. Small sample size for everything, but Cole Tucker, Kevin Newman, Roberto Perez, Jake Marisnik. Yoshi was DFA'd twice last year. Like, there are a lot of guys who aren't coming in with a good offensive track record. And whenever you see Cole Tucker not really do the things that he was 
doing in spring training, what he was trying to accomplish at the end of last year, you're not seeing that. You're seeing Kevin Newman not really drive the ball consistently in a game. Like he would have one hit or so and one really good line drive or anything, but he needs to have like two or three. And he's not. I, I just don't see this being the one to nine lineup this, that this has to be until midseason. And maybe things change then whenever you bring up a Cruz, a Swaggerty, a Smith and a Jigba, a Castro, and you actually have a little depth to play with. Pirates don't have that at the moment. They've got a lot of defensive versatility, but unless you're Diego Castillo, who hasn't even really played that much, how many of those defensively versatile guys and, and Chavis. Okay, and Chavis. I, I should bring that up too. Out of those two, how many of them have really contributed on offense? And you need that with this pitching staff, especially since this pitching staff, the starters had put him behind the eight ball so many times early this season. There's only been one time this year where the Pirates scored first out of their first 13 games. Like going six and six, whatever the other team scores first is actually a pretty big accomplishment for the team. They can't, it's not sustainable. It's absolutely not sustainable for a whole year. They're going to have to, at some point, strike early. And it's tough to strike early whenever the guy who's batting cleanup has a batting average below the Mendoza line with no extra base hits or one extra base hit. On the 27th, not to suggest that this has actually happened, I put this in Insider, but on the 27th, Cruz's optional assignment is technically complete. Not saying he's going to get called up, but that's whatever he could be called up and not accrue that full year of service time unless he wins National League Rookie of the Year. Now, he's not off to that hard a start in Indianapolis, and I, I he's hit the ball hard a couple times. I'm not putting that much stock into a couple eh weeks in Indy. But I just don't see this offense really getting kick-started until he comes up, whenever that is, whether that's the end of April, whether that's May, whether that's June. Have to wonder, though, if, if they did have Cruz and he was hitting the way he, he could, does that Milwaukee series go differently? Does that series in St. Louis go differently? Does this Pirates team... We saw last year, you can't put two... Pirates were above 500 at the end of April last year, or very early May, whenever it was. Like You can't put all your chips in that basket, but if this team had a couple more wins with the way they were pitching, with the way they were going about their business, I don't know. Feels like they're one hit away from being kind of an, an intriguing club here in this first month. The, the team that leads April with the, okay, who really saw this coming? Maybe it'll be different in May if one of those guys comes up or one of those guys who's struggling gets off the schneid. We got a little show left here. We'll be back in a
one final thought here before we call it a podcast in a week. And it pertains to Cole Tucker, who continues to get the majority of the playing time in right field. And you gotta wonder at some point, like he he it's a tough position to learn still. But there were a couple plays he really didn't look that comfortable doing. And you gotta wonder if you're gonna rotate one position on this diamond, why is it second base? Why not have that be the position that you rotate around? Like I would get if they don't want Michael Chavis to go back in the outfield because he hurt his elbow making a dive last year, but Van Meter can play it. Diego Castillo is learning, and I would say is basically at the same level as as Cole Tucker defensively out there. Why not have Cole play second base and try to build the best defense you can behind that pitching that's overachieving right now? It's just a final thought. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast to be named later. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe wherever you find five podcasts like you can find here on the network. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again next.